Hello, my name is Liaket Me, and I will be talking to you today uh, the accounting refresher for grants and other income, in particular the insurance recoveries. Let's look into the government grants. In recent times, this is the most common transactions in the financial statements. And the UK government introduced a range of measures to support businesses, including the coronavirus job retention scheme and business support grant funding. FRS 102 section 24 sets out the accounting and disclosure requirements for government grants and the disclosure requirements for other forms of government assistance. But businesses not only receive grants during these pandemics, but also receive grants for other reasons, such as setting up operations in deprived areas. This is to encourage the employment opportunities. They also receive grants, the new business startups, to assist them with the initial day-to-day -day running cost of the business or to fund certain fixed assets. So there is a whole raft of uh, grants available. Let's look into the definition of the government grants. So if we look into the FRS 102 glossary attached to it, it is defined assistance by government in the form of a transfer of resources to an entity in return for the past or future compliance with specified conditions relating to the operating activities of the entity. When it says government, government refers to government, government agencies, and similar bodies, whether local, national, or international. When we look into section 24, as far as the recognition and measurement is concerned, there are two conditions attached to it. Monetary and non-monetary grants shall not be recognized in the financial statement unless there is a reasonable assurance that the entity will comply with the conditions attaching to them and the grants will be received. Now, this phrase reasonable assurance is not defined in either standard. However, the term probable is a defined term and means more likely than not. Hence, reasonable assurance should be interpreted in the same way as probable. In other words, it is more likely than not that the entity will comply with the conditions attaching to the grant and the grant will be received. So once these two conditions have been met, grants can be recognized. As far as the recognition is concerned, FRS 102, there are two different models, a performance model or accrual model. As far as FRS 105 micro entity clients, performance model is not a choice. So there is only accrual model within FRS 105. Whichever choice is applied by the entity, it must be applied on a class-by-class -class basis and should be applied consistently. In practice, the performance model is usually applied to the revenue-based grants, whereas the accrual model is applied to the capital-based grant because the latter achieves the matching concept, although the matching concept no longer really exist with an FRS 102. In all cases, the grants should be measured at fair value of the assets received or receivable. As far as the charities are concerned, charities do not have the option of using the accrual models and must adopt the performance model when recognized grant income. Now let's look into these two models. Uh, performance model, FRS 102, states that the performance model is a model which imposes three specific methods of grant recognition. 
Number one, a grant that does not impose specified future performance-related conditions on the recipient is recognized in income when the grant proceeds are received or receivable. Second one, a grant that imposes specified future performance-related conditions on the recipient is recognized in income only when the performance-related conditions are met. And the third and the final one, grants received before the revenue recognition criteria are satisfied are recognized as liability. The next question is, what is the impact on the profit under the performance model? So if we look in, if we think about this performance model in case of the capital-based grants in the year of acquisition of an asset, if all the performance-related conditions of the grant have been fulfilled, the grant effectively qualifies for immediate recognition in the profit and loss account under the performance model. Thus, in the year of receipt, the profit or loss account may contain a large credit representing the value of the grant, whereas the associated cost will only be recognized in the, in the profit and loss account as depreciation over the life of the asset or impairment is charged. So in practice, it is likely that accrual model will be the most common due to it being familiar by preparers and it eliminates the occurrence of a large credit being recognized in profit and loss as the grant is received. Whereas the accrual model there are two different things, a revenue-based or capital-based. You must class the grant as either revenue-based or a capital-based grant. In practice, again, grants received towards the cost of a tangible fixed assets would be capital-based, whereas grants received to reimburse the entity for costs already incurred would be revenue-based, such as CJRS. And in most cases, it will be clear from the terms of the grant whether it is a revenue-based grant or a capital-based grant. In all cases, however, it is important for the preparers, for the users to scrutinize the terms of the grant to ensure these are or will be met to ensure correct accounting treatment in the financial statements. So now let's look into the, let's talk about the revenue-based grants. Now, revenue are recognized in income on a systematic basis over the periods in which the entity recognizes the related cost for which the grant is intended to compensate. It cannot be offset against the expenses to which it relate, as not only would this contravene the principle of a minimum of netting off, but would also contravene company law. FRS 102, therefore, does not permit grant income being offset against the expenses headings to which it relates. And this rule will also apply to the micro-entity client. Let's now talk about the capital-based grants. Now, as far as capital-based grants, it is recognized in the profit and loss account as an income on a systematic basis, uh, i.e. over the expected useful life of the assets. Income is released to match the depreciation charge. So when the asset is fully depreciated, the grant is fully amortized at the same time. Now, it cannot deduct against the cost of the asset. 
Company law prohibits such netting off, and the FRC made the decision that all entities should follow the same requirements. Therefore, a capital grant being accounted for under the accrual model is always dealt with as deferred income with a release to profit or loss over the life of the asset to which it relates. This prohibition is dealt with in FRS 102. Uh, which confirms that capital-based grants are not deducted from the uh, carrying amount of assets to which they relate. Or any unamortized balance is shown within the creditors as deferred income. So this is how we treat, how we deal with the grants under FRS 102 and under FRS 105. Insurance recoveries. You have to be a little careful when you are dealing with this insurance recoveries. And the key question is, is a recovery possible or not? The issue here is that there are some insurance companies which are stating that they will not pay out for COVID-19 related recoveries due to specific clauses within these policies. And if it is recoverable, use the general principles accrue as asset if virtually certain. Now, virtually certain, again, is not defined in FRS 102, but it is reasonable to interpret it to mean as close as to 100% as to make any remaining uncertainty insignificant. It is certainly a much higher hurdle than probable. Certainly will not be assessed as on, on a case-by-case basis, taking account of all the relevant facts and circumstances and the considerations uh, will include whether there is a valid insurance policy covering the incident, the extent of the insurance cover, any limits, any exclusions, whether the claim has been accepted as valid by the insurer or the solvency of the insurer. Just remember one thing, it is the existence of insurance cover for particular provision that must be virtually certain rather than the precise amount to be received from the insurer. If the virtually certain test is passed, then the reimbursement must, reimbursement must be presented as an asset in the balance sheet. It must not be offset against the relevant provision. In contrast, in the income statement, the corresponding reimbursement can appear either as income separately or under general headings such as other income or be netted off the related expense. Now, that raises another question about the compensation for business interruption. Now, compensation for business interruption would not strictly fall under Section 21 as lost revenue or profits do not by themselves give rise to provision. However, the compensation for business interruption should again be recognized only when virtually certain. So this was the accountancy-related uh, issues for the grants and uh, insurance recoveries. Hope you found it uh, this podcast useful and relevant. And I look forward to be with you in another monthly audit and accountancy-related podcast. Take very good care of yourself. I hope to see you again. Bye for now.